10th anniversary, 19 years ago today, um, we began to uh, come, we came to this church and began to preach. I see about one or two people that were here still then. And Julie Lambert is responsible. She was in my church in Ohio and is one of the ones who are responsible for me coming here. So, um, uh, Thank you, but it's it's been an awesome journey, and uh, we're we're still excited about what the Lord's gonna do. You know, people keep coming up to me and asking how my retirement is. One last time, I am not retired. Okay, I'm working, not as hard. That's all. Uh, I get to watch Dave do it all and figure it out. But uh, you know, come alongside and help him. And so we're we're still here. We're still involved and. I was thinking back uh, when we first came here. We didn't know anything about this area. I'd never been here before. I, I came to a meeting at uh, uh, Camp Caraway in February of that year, and that's how I wound up here. Uh, and um, it was a beautiful place. I was driving down Old Lexington Road, seeing all those beautiful homes going out that way, and it was just really, you know, really nice. And so uh, uh, we were here like it was the end of February. It was 2001. And uh, it was like 80 degrees, and the, the dogwoods were starting to bloom in February that year. I thought, wow, we got six inches of snow or maybe six feet of snow in Cleveland. And uh, I said, I could, I could stand living here. And uh, so anyway, but as we drove around, um, uh, you know, not knowing where we're going, it was kind of an adventure. Um, uh, and I would be told, well, you want to go this way and go this way. This is before Google Maps, Waze, and, uh, you know, com- you know com- navigation systems in your car. So we would be driving down a road, and I said, man, we've gone a long ways. We surely have missed it. And so we would turn around. And I can't tell you how many times we turned around just before we got there. If we'd just gone another, you know, mile down the road, we would have been there, you know. I, we, made a, we made an art of U-turns. I could make a U-turn in any county road in this in this state in this thing. but um but you know so and uh you know i'm i'm i remember uh dave and his family just were down in hilton head i remember a number of years ago we were in hilton head uh and um Hilton Head at that time didn't have the, the bypass and the bridge that they have now, and it was a huge amount of traffic and really just one central road that goes through Hilton Head. And we were trying to go to a restaurant, and I said, I know a shortcut. And so we got off, uh, we got off the main road, and we're driving back there. I said, I know it's right over there. All we got to do is keep going this way and keep going this way and keep going this way. And I said, you know, I'll, we'll get there, and we'll miss all that traffic. And we did that, and we kept jogging, and pretty soon the road ran out, and I'm on dirt. And I said, that's okay. I can, I, we're, we're going this way, and I know it's right there. And so we drove a little bit further, and I could see the restaurant, but in front of me was a chain-link fence. I had to go all the way back. Back, jog, 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 out to the main road, wait, come all the way around. And if I'd only just stayed in the road, I would have been there. But, you know, so... Um, I have a wife who will be happy to, to share with you. I don't usually talk about her up here, but she is directionally challenged. If she tells you go right, pretty sure go left. Okay. And uh, that's been since I've known her. We used to go to D.C. Uh, on dates and stuff, and, and she said, oh, I've been here before. Turn right over here. And we'd be so lost, uh, you know, and so I, I learned early on not to, not to uh, pay attention to her. And uh, on that anyway, everything else I pay attention, just that one thing. Uh, I came across a story that kind of goes along with this, and I want to I just share it with you before I begin to preach the word. And, and it's, uh, it's about a guy who is a bagpiper, and he plays for funerals and stuff like that. 
and uh, he was asked by a funeral director to uh, play at a graveside service for a homeless man. And uh, the man had no family or friends, so the service was going to be, you know, at like a, I don't know what they call it here, but a pauper's graveyard, you know, somebody doesn't have any money. And this is up in Canada, in Nova Scotia, in the back country. And if you've ever been up there, it's just woods, like Maine, you know. And uh, he said, I wasn't familiar with the backwoods, and so being, and he says, I got lost, and being a typical man, I did not ask directions. Am I right? Okay, brother, okay. And uh, he says, I, he said he finally arrived at the place one hour late. And when he got there, he said there was no funeral guy around and the hearse had left, okay, and nowhere to be seen. And he said there was just a couple diggers there by, and, and they had stopped and they, the hole was there and uh, they were eating their lunch. And uh, he says, I walked over to the guys and he says, I was in my kilt and I had the, the bagpipes and I walked over to the guys who were digging. I said, I apologize for being so late. He said, hey, I don't know what to do. And he, he looked over in the, in the grave and he said, the, they'd already put the vault, the lid on. And he said, you know, and, and he was so, he didn't know what to do. He says, so I started to play. And he says, uh, the workers put down their lunches and, and they began to gather around. He says, I played my heart and my soul out. You know, with everything I had, because this poor man died without a loan and everything else. And when I, and he says, he says the, the men were weeping, and his eye was weeping, and, uh, and we all wept together. And then when he was done, he packed up his bagpipes, and he headed to the car. And though he said, my, my head was hung low because I had missed the funeral, he said, my heart was, was full because I had done the right thing. He says, and I, as I opened the door to my car, he says, I heard one of the workers say, you know, I have never seen anything like that before. He said, my heart swelled up. He says, he says and he, but he says the rest of the sentence, he says, he says, and I've been digging septic tanks for 20 years. <laughs> Directionally challenged is an issue. <laughs> he was in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah. So he was confused. And uh, I know a lot of people in the church, uh, I, I put, if you put that slide up for me, uh, I want to talk to you this morning about hearing God's voice. And um, there's a lot of people that are confused, like that bagpipe player, and like me as I jog and jog. There are people that are afraid. A lot of people still aren't coming to church because they're concerned about, you know, social distancing and... and uh, all of that, and that's fine. That's that's understandable. Uh, we've got a media that uh, promotes a, one agenda, and agenda, and we've got something else going on. But there are a lot of people who are discouraged just with life in general, and and uh, they have questions about how they're going and where we're going and how we're going to get there. And you know, have you ever in your life? You don't have to have show of hands, but I mean, uh, the question I used to get when I first started in the ministry, and, I, and I've gotten it many times over the years, especially in counseling, is how do I know the will of God for my life? Who should I marry? Oh. You know, where should I live? What job should I pursue? What career should I pursue? What, should I buy this house? Should I buy this car? Think of all the decisions that you make in your life. And um, so I want to talk to you about how to deal with those and maybe come up with a couple uh, solutions to your questions and how to hear from the Lord a little bit more clearly. 
There's a story, and I, I was going to read it, but I'm not going to now. I'm just going to, for the sake of time, because I'm, I'm going to try to pattern Pastor Dave. I can't guarantee anything as far as time frame, but I'm working on it, okay? Uh, but there's a story in Jeremiah 42. In chapter 41, the, um, the, some of the leaders of Israel killed the governor of the country that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Nebuchadnezzar, had set up in, in power over Israel. They were still in Israel, but they didn't like the oppressive state that the governor was putting on them, so they killed him. And uh, now word has reached Nebuchadnezzar, and he ain't going to put up with it. And so they come to Jeremiah is the prophet at this time, and they come to Jeremiah and they say, oh, Jeremiah, we're in trouble now. We killed the governor. Nebuchadnezzar's coming at us. The Chaldeans are coming and the Babylonians or whatever name they go by. And he said, they're going to come and they're going to, you know, exact a re revenge. And, uh, um, you know, we need to know what the word of the Lord is for us. What should we do? We think we should go to Egypt and we could go hide out down in Egypt and we'll be protected and, and Nebuchadnezzar won't come and kill us. But we want you to go ask God what we should do and whatever he tells you to do, whatever he says to do, Jeremiah, we'll do it. Just remember those words. Whatever God said to do, we will do it. Jeremiah says, okay. He says, let me, give me some time. And he goes away and gets alone with God for 10 days. He seeks the face of God. He gets quiet in the, in the presence of the Lord. He worships. He prays. And the word of the Lord comes to him. And the word of the Lord for Israel from God to Jeremiah to the people of Israel was this. Do not be afraid. I will take care of you. If you will stay in the land, I will protect you. I'll be a shield around you. I will embrace you. I will meet your needs. I, I will take care of you. Only do not go to Egypt, because if you go to Egypt, everything that you are afraid of happening to you here will happen to you there. Do not go to Egypt. That's the word of the Lord. That's what I've heard God say. And you know what the Israelites said? You're a liar. You didn't hear from God. We know that couldn't possibly be the word of the Lord for us. We're going to Egypt. And so they did. And you know what they did? They took Jeremiah with them. And everything that Jeremiah prophesied over the people of Israel from the word of the Lord that he heard God say happened exactly as he said. They were destroyed in Egypt. You, we will do whatever it is God says. No, what they wanted was reinforcement to what they had already determined to be the will of God for their life. And they just wanted somebody to say, yeah, that's it. Go do it. And when it went opposite what they were, what they were, what they were thinking... That's not God. Hmm. So, so I want to take that story as a foundation and give you a little fresh 
fresh revelation that I, I received from the word of the Lord on that, okay? Um, it's easy to look back on this and say, well, you know, Israel was in a bad place. They were afraid. And so they rejected the word of the Lord because what happened? Their reason overtook, you know, their logic overtook the word of the Lord. It seems implausible, impossible, implausible, and, and there's no way that that could possibly be the word of the Lord. It's, it's, it's so against the grain. You have missed God. You did not hear from God. And they went back to Egypt. How many people would like to have what Jeremiah had? And I don't mean being thrown into a pit. Some of us are already there. Okay. But, but the revelation from God that he heard the voice of God and unafraid he spoke it. I mean, after all, put up Jeremiah 33.3. Somebody said years ago that this is, you want God's phone number? Here it is. Call upon me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Wait a minute. All I got to do is ask, and you'll reveal it? Uh-huh. Because you've got something that Jeremiah was clothed with the Spirit. You have the embodiment. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit in you. So you have the same potential and the same access and the same, you can have the same revelation Jeremiah had. You've got God's personal cell number, 33.3. He doesn't take text, but he does take prayer. Okay. How many times have you been up against a situation where you said, man, I need some wisdom in this? Should I hire that person? Should I fire that person? Should I buy this? Should I do that? We all have questions like that. What should I do about this job offer to this strange place in the middle of North Carolina? Asheboro? Where's that? I asked Arthur Burt. I've told you the story. Arthur, how do you know what it's God? We all, we're all faced with that. I mean, there's sometimes when I say, Lord, should I get out of bed today or not? I like the, my daughter sent me a, 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 a little cartoon thing, and it, and it said, uh, every day I get up and I open my window to see what page of the book of Revelation we're on today. If you don't think we're toward the end here, you know, you'll get it eventually. So, um, But the questions of life, whether they're big or small, you know, are, uh, are found, the answers to those questions are found in the wisdom of God. But, but the real question is, how do we connect with God's wisdom for our lives? Let me give you a, uh, uh, what is common sense? I mean, I'm sorry, what is wisdom? Wisdom is common sense, by, according to Webster's. It's intelligence, it's understanding, or it's insight. So wisdom is common sense, intelligence, understanding or insight. But from a biblical perspective, what is God's wisdom? Okay. What, and God's wisdom is his revealed will to you for any circumstance or situation that you find yourself facing. Okay. What do you want me to do in this search situation? It, it answers a question that we used to wear around our wrists on those rubber bands at WWJD. What would Jesus do? 
So Jeremiah, for Israel, he's the one that had a corner on Revelation uh, for, with God in his day. But, but as I said, we're under a new covenant. We all have access to the wisdom of God. And, and God's word is where we have to go. So I want you to read. I've got a few scriptures I'm going to be giving you over the next few, few minutes. But I want you to catch this. James 1.5, if you have that for me. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, what's, what are you supposed to do? Ask. Who, gives, who will give it to you generously without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So here's a, that is what we call, that's one of those great and precious promises. If you lack wisdom, ask for it. The only person you have to blame if you don't have wisdom is yourself, because God has all of it, and he'll be happy to share it with you. So then comes uh, Colossians 1.9. I like this verse as well. He says, for this reason, Paul says, since the day we heard about you, Christians in Colossae, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So we're asking God, Paul's praying for the church. He said that you would have all the wisdom of God at your disposal. Because you do. That you would have that revelation, that wisdom from God who gives the perfect answer. Now, it may not seem right to you at the moment you hear it, just like it didn't seem right to Israel. But he says, if you lack wisdom, ask for it. Who has, he has all the wisdom, and he has his perfect will for you stored up in the resources of heaven. All you've got to do is ask. The question comes with a lot of people who says, well, does God still speak to people that way? Well, we just heard him a minute ago. But I want to, I want to share with you Revelation 3.20. This is a powerful verse. Jesus said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If any man, I have memorized the King James, any woman hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in with him and eat with him, sup with him, have dinner with him, and he with me. So does God want to, want to commune with you? See, understand something. It is the nature of God to communicate with his creation. Why? What was Adam created for? He was created to have fellowship, what we call communion, with the creator. He was created in the image of God to have fellowship with his creator. That is a relationship with the creator. How do you have a relationship with somebody? Well, you get to know them. You observe how they act. You watch them. And you talk to them. I know sometimes husbands and wives, that's a foreign concept, talk to them. Okay? But that's how you have a relationship with somebody. You spend time with them. You commune with them. You talk to them. And God desires to talk to each of us, not just his so-called prophets, not just a couple people who hear, hear the word prophetically. You know, in, in, in Elijah's day, prophets were called seers because they could see. I think today we need to change that to hearers. But see, every one of you are a hearer. Now, there's some verses in Corinthians that says, I have not seen or ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. 
But it also goes on to say that we have the Spirit of God. We can know these things that are freely given us. We also even says we have the mind of Christ. But the problem is, it says, and it goes on to finish in chapter 2 there, it says, says, the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned. The world may say, you're foolish, that is impossible. Israel said, Israel came at Jeremiah from a worldly perspective. They said, Jeremiah, that is illogical. We will die if we stay here. Then why did you ask? But God calls this, his wisdom, the hidden manna, the secret things. I want you to look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. Jesus is speaking to the church, that's us. And he says, anyone who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. I will give the victor, those that are overcomers, those that are standing for Christ, the hidden manna. Manna is food, things that will feed your spirits, feed your mind, feed your soul. I'll give them a white stone, and on the stone a new name is inscribed that no one knows except the one who receives it. So when you get to heaven, you're not only going to have the, you know, a new name, you're going to have a hidden manna, but I believe God wants to give you hidden manna today. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 says it this way. As I said, I have no, you know, that's nine. I want six and seven. Okay. Paul says, we don't speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but, but not the, we speak a message rather of wisdom of the mature, but not the message of this world. Or the rulers of this age are coming to nothing. Verse 7 is a key one. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory from time began. Now, I know he's talking about Jesus, but he's also talking about all the needs in your life. He says, there's a hidden wisdom that only comes from God. God knows exactly what you need today. He knows what you need tomorrow. He knows what you need next year. He knows what you're supposed to do 10 years from today because he's already been to the future and already seen it. Okay, so what we have an opportunity as spiritual people is to receive the spiritual wisdom of God, the hidden wisdom that only can come from God, the one who has the answers. The next question then is begged is, how do I appropriate this wisdom so that I can know his will for my life? In Jeremiah 42, what did Jeremiah do? Well, he went away from all the noise, from all the screens, from all the TVs, and he got alone with God. And he spent 10 days communing with the Lord. Now, I'm not suggesting you have to do that. It's been 10 days. But what I am saying is that in order to hear the voice of God, you have to filter out the noise that's around. He had FaceTime, can I put it in your vernacular? He had FaceTime with God, one-on-one. He, he, he pushed out the crowd, and he got alone. He quieted his spirit. He quieted his soul. That's your mind and emotions. So he could be prepared 
so that when God spoke, he could hear fully. He, could, he would be ready to hear it. It was only going to be God and Jeremiah during this time. In order to hear from the Lord, you have to create a discipline where you get alone with God and, and you can approach him in humility and brokenness and contriteness and quietness and purity of heart. And we lower the resistance that we, we put up barriers between us and the Holy Spirit to hear what the voice of God is. A lot of people are afraid to hear. They're afraid of a couple of things. Well, what if, I, what if I make a mistake? What if it really wasn't God and I, and I make this mistake? Or, um, well, I think, that's, I think that's the bigger issue is that what if I make a mistake? I had a, I, I had a young man who was a youth pastor for us a number of years ago. And I, I, I know I've used this illustration before, but he was dating a young lady, and uh, he really liked her. But he would never pull the trigger, Joe. And um, eventually, she got tired of waiting. And so she found somebody else. And as soon as she found somebody else, he wanted to pull the trigger. Oh, she was the one. Well, why didn't you ask her? Well, I wasn't sure. I didn't want to miss God. He wanted God to write it on the wall. Mini, mini, tekel, Paris. You know, this is the one, stupid. <laughs> and as soon as she was out of sight, you know, that was the one. See, they're, they're afraid to miss God. And doing so, they miss God. See, it takes an element of faith to believe that God is going to speak to you, and then when God speaks to you, it takes an element of faith to receive it. It will take faith to walk in obedience. You know, during Azusa Street, a lot of people were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was all new to them. They began to speak in tongues. Somebody would come up to them and say, you know, that tongue is Chinese. God's calling you to China as a missionary. They would sell everything they have and get a one-way and buy a one-way ticket to China, expecting that when they got to China, they could speak Chinese. Well, they walked in faith, but they often missed God because their revelation wasn't there. But you know what? God still used them. And many of them stayed and became missionaries and learned the language. You know, did they miss it? I don't know. If God used them there, I'd say probably not. You know, but so it's... I would rather miss God by following after God than miss God standing in a place and rocking back and forth and never doing anything for the Lord. So the question is, how do we approach God like this? How can we quiet our souls and spirits and minds and, and push out the noise that surrounds us all day and almost all night long? If you are in my neighborhood last night, I think that uh, I watched a video this morning from L.A. because they, they had uh, 
forbidden fireworks displays in L.A. and in a lot of places around the country. Well, I think every person in L.A. was shooting off fireworks last night. You would not. Look at that. Some, if you get a chance, look at the video. There must be a million fireworks, literally a million going up into the air. All these helicopters are flying around. They said, you know, it's kind of like they um, thumb their nose at the governor, I have a feeling. But um, anyway, uh, you know, it's the noise around us is so intense so much. So how can you do that? Well, I, I want to suggest to you that you know, I know sometimes that you don't have an hour. You don't even have 30 minutes. Start with 15. Get alone with God. Turn on some worship music and just worship him. And then stop everything. Pray in the spirit for a minute or two or three or four or five or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60. And then stop everything and listen. Hear what the spirit is saying to you. Get alone with God. Pray. But at some point, you have to quiet yourself and just soak in his... There, there are services that people were having a few years ago called soaking spirit services. You would just come into a, a sanctuary like this and worship music would be on, and you just sit there and soak in his presence. We put on our, our website and on our advertising a number of years ago, uh, come discover the presence of the Lord with us. That's it. But you can't do that when there's so much confusion and noise and everything. And then as you, as you begin to listen, and as you do this more and more, you hear the voice of God speaking to you. And then the next time it's quicker and it's faster. And, and, and by faith, receive what he's saying to you and act on it and, and, and test it and try it. He knows what you need before you ask him. He still says, ask, but the Holy Spirit, just speak to me. As I pray in the Spirit, as Pastor Dave said, Oral Roberts, I mean, that's how he guided his entire ministry. He would pray in the Spirit and ask the Lord for the revelation, ask the word for the Lord for the understanding, and God would give it to him. And that's how he built the City of Faith and Oral Roberts University and all of his ministries. The people in, Jer in Israel, in Jeremiah 42, are a lot like a lot of the body of Christ. We say, Lord, you know, we, we come to Jesus. Lord, I want to do your will. Lord, have your way in my life. How many times have I heard that? I want your will for my life until it goes up against my will. Hmm. Until we hit a conflict between what God wants and what we want. Or what the word of God says and what my flesh wants. When we came to this church 19 years ago, there were a number of couples who were going to this church and worshiping here, and they, they were living together without the benefit of marriage. And when we found out about it, as the leaders of the church, this, did you know your blood's on my hands? If I don't tell people the truth, then I'm responsible. And in love, we went to those people. Are you Christians? Yes. Been born again? Yes. Believe the word of God? Yes. God says you need it. What's holding you back from getting married? Well, three of the couples left because what happened? The word of God came up against their word. Okay? Because God says you can't do that. He calls it S-I-N. I know we can't say that word in church. We love them. I said, you're willing to. We love it. You can stay here. We don't have any problem with you. But don't tell me you're born again. 
See, when temptation hits, there's a conflict between it and the word of God. What does God say? Well, Lord, you can have my life, all of it, except this little spot right there. Don't confuse me with your ways when it conflicts with my ways. They, and, and that's what Israel did. What they really wanted Jeremiah to do was embrace their sin, embrace their disobedience, embrace their rebellion. We look at situations logically, and logic is good, and problem, you can weigh problems, pros, and cons. And I tell young people when I do premarital counseling, I said, you know, how does the world make a decision? Well, we put down, here's all the pros, and here's all the cons, and here's what it will cost us, and, here's, you know, and we weigh all that, and we look at that. And I said, well, that's fine. I said, but have you asked the Lord? Oh. Because you say all the, all the cons may be against you, but God says do it. Well, that's illogical. Yeah, I know, that's why I probably is God. Because in my flesh, there's no way I would do it. If we stay here, Babylon will come and destroy us. Let's leave and run to Egypt, where we'll be protected by Pharaoh, until we aren't. So how can I hear the voice of God? How do I, here's the other question people always ask. How do I know it's God speaking and not me speaking? And I want to give you one another scripture. It's in chapter 10 of John, verses 1 through 5. Jesus said, I say to you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs over the, <laughs> over the sheep, uh, over the door, is a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens it, and the sheep, hear this, the sheep, are you a sheep? And maybe not for the government, but for Jesus you are. Quit being sheep for the government. Sorry, I had to get that out. Think for yourself. But when Jesus, Jesus calls you sheep, the sheep hear his voice. How do they know it's him? Because they spent time with him. They know what his voice sounds like. I know when my master calls. It's easy. I've been with her for 50 years. I know her voice. And I know the tone of that voice. Okay? Preach it. Seriously, right? But, so the sheep know his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. Hey, Zacchaeus, good to see you. Sorry you're going back to North Dakota. Okay? No, he'll be back. Wait a minute, go back. I wasn't done fooling around. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. He does what? Leads you, guides you, teaches you. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes in front of them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger's voice they will not follow, but they will run from the stranger's voice, for they don't 
know the voice of strangers. If you don't know the difference between the voice of demons, your voice of flesh, and the voice of God, I would submit to you it's because you're not spending enough time hearing the voice of God. And you can't get this revelation in your mind. It only comes from your spirit. Information and logic are processed in our minds, but in order to hear God, you have to hear it in your spirit man, and the spirit man must be sensitive to his spirit. And then when I've heard that, it moves to hear, and, and, and it comes, revelation comes to a renewed mind. Okay, we've been there. And, and sometimes it results in confusion, but it says, but if I, if I said, wait, wait, that doesn't sound right, God. And as I said a minute ago, that's probably because it's God. Not all, see, one of the things to test things is it doesn't bring confusion or does it bring peace? Well, I can have peace about a lot of the stuff I want. Israel would have had peace. If Jeremiah had come back to Israel and said, you know, stay here in Israel, you'll be fine. Oh, man, that, we got peace with that word, right? Go to, go to Egypt. No, that brings confusion. So which one was right? So you can't always determine whether peace is, is the consequence of hearing from God or hearing from someplace else. Neither can you, you know, determine confusion. Because the confusion comes because your own spirit, your own mind is saying this, and God is saying this. So I, I submit to you, those are, those are valid determinations. You can use those things to test words, but they're not always infallible. Okay. You have to take the whole scope of it. You have to know the voice of God. And the only way you do that is spending time with this, spending time with him. Just because it doesn't line up with your preconceived ideas or logic doesn't mean it's, it's not God. Okay. So how does God speak? Well, he speaks through his word. He speaks through his prophets and teachers. He dreams and visions he speaks with a still, small voice. Sometimes he speaks through thunder and lightning, but most of the time he speaks with a, in a whisper. Romans 8, 26 and 27 says it this way. The Spirit also helps us in our weakness because I don't know how to pray. He prays. And the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that can't be uttered, King James says. And he, this God who searches the hearts, knows the Spirit's mindset or knows the, will of, knows the will of God because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So when you pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. He's interceding for you. And he's interceding for you with God according to God's will for you. I've said this a thousand times in this church. When you're praying in the Spirit, you are not you praying. It's a Spirit praying and he's praying according to the will of God. All you've got to do is tap into that and say, Lord, what is it? How do I understand? Your prayer language is the Spirit of God praying through you according to the will of God. So if that's true, what do you need to do? Then ask him to reveal this will to you. If he did it to Oral Roberts, he'll do it for you. The greatest gift, I say it again. I know and I've been accused of having one note. Without the Holy Spirit, we are nothing. But with the Holy Spirit, we, are, we have more potential than you can ever imagine. The greatest tool you have is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
and being able to pray in the Spirit and then quiet yourself and hear the still small voice of God respond with revelation that will flood your heart and give you insight and wisdom into the direction that you need for your life. God doesn't hate you. He loves you. He wants to share stuff with you. There's, there's, there's powerful things floating around all the time. And all you got to do is tap into it. He, but, but see, the thing is, he waits for you to come to him. He says, ask me, ask me, ask me, ask me. Yeah, I know what you need, but ask me. You will be able to, to withstand the hurricanes of this life. You'll be able to withstand every, every stone that's thrown at you. You'll be able to overcome every uh, adversity that's set before you if you will just tap into the realm of the Spirit of God and hear the voice of God. Because in the midst of, you know, put up the 91st Psalm I gave you. In the, in the midst of this pandemic, he says, you will not fear the terror of night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence, the pestilence, the plague that stalks in the darkness or in Walmart, that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Yeah, worship team, you can come on. You will only observe and see with your eyes the punishment of the wicked. Okay? Now, if you're sitting there afraid, I'm not suggesting that you be stupid. But, you, but as I pray and as I quiet my spirit and the Holy Spirit drops in, no place coming near your dwelling. Peace comes. Faith comes. Hope comes. And you can stand and be strong for your family and for those around you. Why? Because the wisdom of God is greater than the foolishness of men. If you turn on certain, if you turn on any news network, you're hearing the foolishness of men. Jeremiah had what you and I have now. The spirit of the living God. All he's saying is that the more time you will spend with him, the greater will be the capacity for you to hear what he's saying. God wants to speak to you. See, too many of God's people are tired and defeated and dejected and depressed. Too many have questions. Too many are afraid. Too many wandering around in circles. Why? They don't know the word. They don't know their God. And they haven't heard from him. I heard a terrible joke. I probably... Well, I probably shouldn't say it, but it never stopped me before. But you know when President Trump walked across the Lafayette Park a couple weeks ago, and he stood in front of that church and held up a book? That church is St. John's Episcopal Church. And the book that he held up was the Bible. And every Episcopalian said, what book is that that he's holding up? That's probably not true of every Episcopalian, so I take it back. But that's the thing. If you don't know the word, you have no hope. If you don't have the voice of God speaking to you, you don't know God. You don't, know, you don't have any hope. But God wants to speak to you. And he tells us to trust in him with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding, but acknowledge him in all our ways, and he will direct our paths. Either that's true or not. That's the third psalm, third proverb, I mean. I'm going to close with these, just a couple quick points. How, I want to just kind of bring this down to you. How will I know that I've heard from God and not my flesh or the devil? 
So here's a couple of things that you can use. Paul says to test the word. John says rather, test the word. Does this word that I've heard line up with this word? Because God will never contradict himself. We had a woman sit in our office one time and told, her, told us that God told her to divorce her husband. That's not in here. Now, I'm not saying there's not reasons for people to get divorced, but she, she didn't qualify. She just was tired of her husband. And I know that's the case with many of you, but he doesn't give you the right for divorce, okay? Does the word you heard line up with this word? That's the first test. Does this word I heard and still, does it require faith on my part? Does it build faith in me? And as I said earlier, number three, does this word grant me peace or confusion? But that is not always the only criteria, okay? Does this word assure me that God will provide what I'm lacking? Does this word reveal more about the nature and character of God to me? Does this word challenge me to grow in Christ and to go deeper with God? Does this word point me to Jesus? Does this word reveal my heart to me? And finally, does it also confirm perhaps what I've heard elsewhere? I had somebody say, you know, one time using an illustration like this, we were in a meeting one night and, and a woman came up to them and said, God is calling you to Africa. Never heard that word before. What should you do? With that word set it aside say Lord if that's you then you're going to have to confirm it to me someplace else a week later someone came up to him and said you know I have a word for me the Lord told me that he's calling you to Africa in fact Nigeria still wasn't sure and from a third voice came to him and said didn't know the other two God told me to tell you He's calling you to Africa. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. You don't randomly run, rush off with the first random word, but at the same token. Maybe you've already heard something, and now you're hearing a voice say, this is, this is what I want you to do. Look for confirmation of his word to you to take action or not take action. How can I hear his voice? Ask, seek, and knock. Worship him. Get alone with God. Quiet your minds, shut off this world, and worship him and ask him to reveal his, his will to you. And I promise you, you will hear from God. You will hear. Don't be like Israel, who only wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. But be open to the moving of the Spirit, and God will bless you, and you will find the favor of God that you need on every area of your life. In Jesus' name. Would you bow your heads to me this morning? Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're always speaking your word to us. You want us to know it. You don't want us to, to live in, in questions, but you said to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Father, thank you for the preceding word. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you that we can open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to us. 
And Father, while every head is bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning or watching online and you are not in first in right relationship with God, if he's not in the first place in your heart, all you've got to say is, Jesus, please forgive me. Come into my heart and help me live for you. Forgive me of my sins. I want to serve you. I want to do your will, all of it, in every way. And he will open his arms to you and embrace you and call you his child. And he will teach you his voice. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen.